Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform, and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book, with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now, and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps, so you know everything about the book in minutes. How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslisch. Parenting can be one of the most challenging yet fulfilling skills to master. In this book, parenting experts Adele Faber and Elaine Maslisch present useful steps and techniques that you can apply to improve and enrich your relationship with your child. This parenting guidebook is based on the philosophies of Dr. Haim Ginat, featuring six essential skill sets for interacting effectively with children of all ages. This 30th anniversary edition incorporates insights, tips, and exercises which the authors have been using in their workshops over many years. A parent-child relationship is extremely personal and there's no one correct way to communicate with your child. The authors recommend that you do the exercises in the book, record your responses, and personalize the approach to suit you and your child's nature, needs, and relationship. Let's begin. The six skill sets for communicating with children. One, help children to deal with their feelings. When children say things that make us angry, anxious, or uncomfortable, we tend to deny those feelings or try to fix the issue. If your child says, Daddy, I'm hungry, you may insist, No, you're not. You just had lunch. Or you may offer an immediate solution. If you're hungry, then get something to eat. Pause and consider how you're likely to respond if your child says, I hate the new baby. Grandma is so stupid, or my birthday party sucked. Do you reject your child's sentiments in some way? What we feel is always right for us, and we feel bad when others invalidate our feelings. Imagine you had a really hectic day at work. You were fighting multiple fires, working on an urgent task from your boss, and even skipped lunch. Yet, all you got at the end of the day was a tongue lashing for submitting your work late. How would you feel if you confided in your colleague only to have him tell you, Come on, there's no need to be upset. Here are some of the unhelpful responses that we may give to others. First, we may deny their feelings, saying things like, Don't be so angry. Or, we may give a philosophical reply. Life's like that. Offer advice. Why don't you try this? Or start asking questions as if we're interrogating them. It's equally unhelpful when we defend the other person that upset them, act like a psychotherapist, or just pity them outright. Oh, you poor thing. When we're upset, what we truly want is empathy someone to simply listen and acknowledge how we feel. This helps us to open up and talk about the problem, 
which then allows us to work things out on our own. It's the same with children. They're perfectly capable of helping themselves if they feel listened to and empathized with. Instead of telling your child that their perceptions are wrong and yours are right, it helps to just acknowledge how they feel. Try statements like, Oh, you're still hungry even though you just had lunch. I see you didn't enjoy your party. Or, gee, that sounds really frustrating. Specifically, there are four ways to help a child to deal with negative feelings. First, listen with full attention. Look at them while they share their problem instead of half listening while watching TV or messaging on your phone. Sometimes, all your child needs is your full attention, even if you don't say a word. Second, acknowledge their feelings instead of asking questions or giving advice. A child finds it hard to think if he or she feels like you're questioning or blaming them. Use simple words like, Oh, hmm, or I see, to show that you're listening. This invites children to explore their own thoughts and feelings to possibly arrive at a solution. Third, give the feeling a name. For example, you seem really disappointed. Acknowledging a bad feeling doesn't make it worse. Instead, the other person feels understood and comforted. On the other hand, the more you deny a feeling, the worse the other person feels. When you say, I understand how you feel, your child may not believe you. Naming the feeling removes all doubt that you've listened and understood. Even if you name a wrong feeling, your child can always correct you. Finally, even if your child makes an impossible request, don't reject it outright with logical explanations. Instead, Grant their wishes in fantasy. For example, Oh, how I wish I could make it rain marshmallows right now. Just knowing that you understand how much they want something makes the disappointment easier to bear. Practice this skill by listing down your child's statements and identifying the feelings behind them. Find a partner to role-play how to listen to and acknowledge feelings. When you're ready, have a conversation with your child where you accept her feelings, then make notes of what happened. Remember, these techniques only work with true compassion, not manipulation. Acknowledging a feeling isn't the same as agreeing with it. You can also accept your child's feeling while concurrently restricting undesirable behaviors. For example, it's perfectly fine to say, I can see that you're really angry with your sister. You can tell her so with words, not with fists. If your child says something extreme like, I hate you, it's okay to respond honestly. I feel really hurt by what you just said. If you're angry about something, tell it to me in another way so maybe I can help. If a child is too emotional to listen, let him or her release those feelings through physical activity or drawing. 
Even with these tips, it won't be easy to listen or empathize, especially when you're feeling tired, angry, or overwhelmed. If you've responded in an unhelpful way, you can always remedy it later with something like this. Look, I've been thinking about what you said just now about your teacher scolding you in class. I now realize how embarrassing that must have been for you. Skill number two, engage cooperation. Children don't seem to care about proper behavior no matter what we say or do. The more we push, the harder they resist. On the other hand, they have no qualms about telling us loudly and incessantly when there's something they don't like. Pause to put yourself in a child's shoes and consider some of the unhelpful ways used by adults to get their kids' compliance. This could range from threats to commands, name-calling, lecturing, blaming, martyrdom, comparisons, sarcasm, or prophecy. Let's see if you can relate with some of these common responses. You'd better stop that now or else. How many times must I tell you not to do that? Ugh, why are you always so sloppy? Are you trying to give me a heart attack? Why can't you be like so-and-so? You'll never amount to anything at this rate. Well, how would you respond if you were the kid on the receiving end? It's no wonder they refuse to cooperate. To encourage cooperation without negative feelings, try mastering these five skills. First, describe the problem or what you see. Instead of saying, are you trying to flood the bathroom? It's more helpful to say, the bathtub is almost full and the water is going to overflow. By describing the problem, you give children a chance to tell themselves what must be done. Second, provide information so they understand what should be done and why. Instead of saying, why is the milk on the table? Explain, milk goes bad if it isn't refrigerated. Third, say it with one word instead of a long paragraph. It's hard to hear anything when you say, why do I have to keep repeating myself? I keep telling you over and over again to keep your shoes in the cabinet, but do you ever listen? It's much easier for your child to register the message with just one word. Shoes. Fourth, describe your feelings without attacking their character. Instead of calling your son a spoiled brat, try explaining. I feel irritated when I'm being yelled at. It's easier for me to listen when you ask nicely. Finally, try writing a note. Written words can sometimes work better than verbal ones. One parent placed a note on the TV that says, Before you turn this on, think. Have I finished my homework? You can also get creative with notes like, Please hang us back to dry. Signed, your towels. Try to practice your skills with a couple of exercises. Write down a few common problems you face with your child and identify the skills you can apply. Keep notes on two new skills you applied this week and at least one unhelpful thing you didn't say. 
If your first attempt at soliciting cooperation fails, try again. It always helps to match your approach to the situation. If you find yourself repeating something, stop to establish if you've been heard. For example, Would you tell me what I just said? If they confirm what you said, respond simply with, Great, now that I know you heard me, I won't repeat it again. If your child has the tendency to say, Sure, later, without following through, clarify when they plan to follow through. Then say something like, Good, I'll count on you doing that in two hours. Thank you. Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. Skill number three, use alternatives to punishment. When you've said and done all the right things and your child still won't cooperate, it can be tempting to resort to punishments. Parents punish their kids because they don't want them to get out of hand or they simply don't know what else to do. Unfortunately, punishments don't lead to real repentance. The child is likely to fantasize about revenge, which distracts him or her from sincere reflection. Just think back on how you felt as a child when you were punished. So, let's imagine that your son keeps dashing around the supermarket despite your repeated requests for him to stop. Finally, he crashes into someone and topples the entire shopping cart. What are some alternatives to punishment you can adopt? First, point out a way to be helpful to redirect his energy towards something more constructive. For example, it'd be helpful if you can help to pick three nice apples from the fruit section. Second, express strong disapproval without attacking his character. For example, I really dislike it when children run around the supermarket. It disturbs other shoppers and accidents can happen. Third, state your expectations. For example, I expect that when I bring you out, you will be on your best behavior. Fourth, show the child how he can make amends. For example, you should apologize to that lady and help to pick up the things you spilled. Fifth, offer a choice. For example, you can either walk properly or sit in the shopping cart. It's your choice. But if the child continues to run around, then be prepared to take action by physically putting him in the shopping cart. Finally, let the child experience the consequences of his misbehavior. The next time he requests to follow you to the supermarket, refuse firmly. If he asks why, make him acknowledge the reason with a response like, You tell me why you can't go to the supermarket. Let him know that there will be future opportunities, but firmly refuse to bring him this time. If your child still behaves badly after you've tried the earlier steps, 
it may signal a deeper issue that calls for a problem-solving approach. Choose a time and place where you won't be interrupted to broach the issue. Start by talking about the child's feelings and needs. For example, I imagine you must be feeling angry about this issue. It's important to treat the child with respect and genuinely seek to understand where he's coming from. After you've addressed his needs and feelings, talk about your feelings and needs, keeping it clear and succinct. Then, brainstorm possible solutions without evaluating the ideas. Decide which ideas you like or dislike, then follow through on the selected ideas. Remember to agree on who to do what by when. Ready to start practicing these skills? This week, use an alternative to punishment and make notes of your child's reaction. You can also think of a recurring problem and use the problem-solving approach outlined earlier to explore mutually acceptable solutions with your child. Skill number four, encourage autonomy. One of the goals of parenting is to nurture children who are independent, responsible, and competent. Yet, we're often tempted to jump in to offer advice or do things for them. Someone who's put in a dependent position may feel grateful, but also frustrated, resentful, and helpless. When children figure out a solution or answer by themselves, they feel more confident and responsible for it. You can nurture independence and competence with the following skills. First, let children make their own choices. For example, would you like some milk or orange juice? Second, respect your child's struggle and encourage them to finish the job. For example, you observe that opening a jar can be tough. It sometimes helps if you tap the lid with a spoon. Then let them work it out without doing it for them. Third, don't ask too many questions as it may feel like an invasion of privacy. Children will volunteer information when they feel like it. In that vein, don't rush to answer questions either. Give them a chance to explore the answer themselves. For example, that's an interesting question. What do you think? And if someone asks a question about the child, let him answer the question. Fifth, promote resources outside the home, such as teachers, doctors, or seniors in school, so children know they need not rely only on you. Sixth, don't prepare your children for disappointment as you'll end up taking hope away from them. Give them some room to dream, fantasize, explore, and experience life. Even if you don't believe your child can be a dancer, there's no harm in saying, Oh, you want to be a dancer? Tell me more. Finally, don't micromanage everything they do. Don't fuss continually over their appearance, correct how they sit and talk, or how they spend their allowance. Wherever possible, avoid using the word no. For example, instead of saying, no, you can't go to the playground, you can give information. We're having lunch in five minutes. 
you can also frame your reply positively. Yes, you can go after lunch. Or simply give yourself time to think it through. Let me think about it. Here are a couple of exercises you can try in the coming week. Apply at least two of the earlier skills and note your child's reaction. Then, consider if there's anything you've been doing for your children that they could start doing on their own. Skill number five, give descriptive praises. Parents play a vital role in shaping their children's self-image. Unfortunately, most parents are quick to criticize and slow to praise. Constant criticisms are obviously unhelpful. Yet, praises may also bring negative responses if the child feels undeserving of the praise, becomes anxious about future performances, or suspects that you're being insincere or manipulative. The key here is to master the art of descriptive phrases in two steps. First, instead of saying that a painting is nice or beautiful, describe what you see and feel. For example, I love the bright colors and I can almost feel the warmth of the sun. Next, sum up the praiseworthy behavior in a word. For example, you noticed the dishes in the sink and helped to wash them. That's what I call taking initiative. The idea here is to show that you've noticed what they're doing right and help children to praise themselves in future. Pause to write down a quality you like about your child. Then, write down something that he or she did recently that you appreciate but didn't acknowledge. Now, consider how you can show your appreciation using descriptive praise. Remember to match the praise with your child's age and ability. Your teenager certainly won't appreciate the same praise for his three-year-old sister. Be careful not to use praises that hint at past failures or weaknesses. For example, wow, you finally passed that exam. Instead, focus on their current strength or effort. For example, I know you worked hard to pass this exam. Don't focus on statements about you, such as, I'm so proud of you, or I knew you could do it. Make sure you focus on their accomplishment. Wow, what an achievement. You must feel so proud of yourself. Skill number six, free children from playing roles. It's common for us to label our children with terms like playful, mischievous, stubborn, etc. These can create a self-fulfilling prophecy when a child begins to act in accordance with our expectations. Even if you don't say the labels out loud, your child can still perceive your thoughts and feelings through your body language or tone of voice. There are several skills you can use to liberate your child from playing out a role. First, find or create opportunities where the child can see themselves differently. For example, if your supposedly irresponsible child takes the dog out for a walk, point it out enthusiastically. You took Rover out for his walk just as you promised. That's taking responsibility. Or you can task your supposedly greedy child to divide the sweets amongst his siblings 
so everyone gets a fair share. Second, let them overhear you saying something positive about them, or role model the behavior that you'd like to see. You can also remind your child of their special moments in the past. For example, did Chloe call you a klutz? Well, she definitely hasn't seen your agile side. I remember two years ago when you climbed a tree like a monkey to retrieve your kite. Finally, if your child behaves according to the old label, state your feelings and expectations clearly. Remember, all human beings, including you and your child, have the ability to grow and change. As a parent, you're also perfectly capable of changing your parenting style and approach. Step back and consider if there's a role that your child has been cast at home, in school, or by friends or relatives. How would you like your child to think of himself, and how can you use the skills we've shared to help your child see himself differently? Putting it together. So there you are, the six skill sets that can transform your interactions with your kids, help them to deal with their feelings, engage cooperation, use alternatives to punishment, encourage autonomy, give descriptive praises, and free them from playing roles. Initially, you'll probably struggle to listen and exercise self-control. It's perfectly normal to lapse back into old habits and practices, so be patient with yourself. Remember, it's a big step forward just to be able to hear or catch yourself saying unhelpful things. Give yourself the time and space to practice and master the skills and techniques outlined in this summary. This is an extremely easy-to-read guidebook. Each chapter comes with sample dialogues, cartoons, exercises, Q&As, and stories from other parents to help you to personalize your approach. If you've enjoyed the ideas in this summary, do get a copy of the book for a step-by-step walkthrough or visit FaberMaslich.com for more details. Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes.